what the mayor said was use a bike. It's the safest way to get to work in the city right now because of the pandemic. And so she borrowed a bike from a friend and started riding, exploring Brooklyn, really loved it. And a charter bus was speeding and killed her. Yes, cars equal freedom, but walking and riding is also its own form of freedom. And your freedom doesn't extend to the ability to harm others. Asphalt itself is polluting. Mm -hmm. There's areas where you don't have permeable soil so that water runoff increases and that leads to erosion. It leads to more pollutants getting into our water supply. Every place that there's pavement, you create a barrier and so it limits the range that different animals can travel upon in order to find water or shelter or anything else they need. So uh, let's start the show. All right. Hey, John. Hey, how's it going? We have John Pitts on the line. And John, I got in touch with you because... It was your sister, Sarah Pitts, that was killed by traffic and um, made a big impression on a lot of people and on my social media feed. And uh, so I wanted to talk to you about that and because it's things like that which draw attention to the issues that we're trying to amplify here. Can you talk about it? Can you tell us about what happened? And Yeah, I can. And it's hard, so apologies if I, if I start and stop a little bit at any point here. But my sister uh, lived in Brooklyn, up in New York, where she moved about two and a half years ago, uh, actually, to, to go work in the government up there. She worked for the Brooklyn DA's office, and a lot of her work was uh, on post-sentencing uh, justice. So after someone had been uh, sentenced to jail, making sure that, you know, if they had been disproportionately sentenced, if it looked like there was discrimination or any sort of racism involved in uh, in a sentence. And this is these are people who, you know, have been in jail often 20, 30 years, uh, that there was an opportunity for them to reevaluate their sentence. And um, as part of that work, she sort of also got uh, pretty deeply involved in the New York Black Lives Matter movement, um, especially after the murder of uh, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And the role she picked, she actually was not a not a big cyclist before COVID happened. You know, she was in her apartment in Brooklyn and really wanted to get out and see the city and keep commuting to work. And what the mayor said was, you know, don't use the subways, don't use cabs, don't use Ubers, um, use a bike to get to work. It's the safest way to get to work in the city right now because of the pandemic. And so she borrowed a bike from a friend and started riding, uh, started exploring Brooklyn on a bike, really loved it, started biking to work uh, when she needed to go in. And as she got more involved in uh, the Black Lives Matter protest, she became a bike warden. And her role was to ride ahead of uh, protest marches and make sure that if they were going through an intersection, the cars were stopped and the protesters were safe. Uh, and she she really loved it. Um, it was incredibly meaningful to her. She was meeting with a group uh, based out of Brooklyn called Riders for Rights that was a uh, group of other cyclists who were solely focused on uh, racial justice and improving things in the state of New York uh, for uh, African-American uh, and Latino and other minority groups. And she was actually at a meeting Sunday night over uh, Labor Day weekend in a park in Brooklyn. Uh, meeting ended around uh, 11.45 midnight and was riding home on her normal route using a bike lane, not a protected bike lane. And as she went through an intersection, um, there is an exit ramp from uh, the BQE, the uh, expressway going through uh, Brooklyn, and a charter bus uh, went through the intersection and uh, hit her square on as she was going through the intersection and killed her. She was by an exit ramp of a... Uh, so, yeah, yeah so it, it's actually, it's a section of Brooklyn, and I, you know, I'm not from Brooklyn, so I don't even know the area that well, but it, it's where buses can exit the freeway and go on to city streets. And so the bus had exited from uh, the freeway, and as best we understand it, um, the bus was uh, speeding and trying to beat a light going through the intersection uh, and, and hit her and, uh, and 
uh, killed her. Right. And I'm very sorry. And so as a, after, the, after this, what have people said, been saying? Um, I mean, people have been saying a lot of things, and, th- and thank you. Thank you very much for the, for the thoughts. Um, you know, to, to me, I think there were two things that really, I, I, let me actually say there's, there's three things that really jumped out at me um, that people have been saying that I've learned uh, since my sister was killed. Um, one, uh, I, I don't know if LA has a vision zero plan, but Washington DC has a vision zero plan and New York has a vision zero plan. And um, uh, we, we are not at zero or anything close to it in, in any of these cities. Um, and you know, the longer it goes, the more it sounds like vision zero is uh, a marketing campaign um, rather than an actual sustained plan to make the streets safer for pedestrians and cyclists. And I think one of the things that makes that uh, really, really evident is, um, you know, when the political leaders of a city say, hey, the, the thing we all need to do to keep ourselves safe from the virus at the height of this pandemic is get off public transportation, get out of cabs and walk or ride as the safest way to get around the city. And you still have people getting killed because the city isn't putting uh, resources into making intersections and streets safer. It, it tells you about sort of where the priorities are and the difference between something that is politically convenient to say and something that actually takes some action to address. Um, I I learned from someone in uh, New York that uh, Sarah was the 13th cyclist fatality uh, this year in in New York City. Um, But six of those fatalities took place in the month of September. Um, as more people are going back to work uh, after the pandemic, right? People are getting back on the streets. They haven't driven in a long time. And what they're seeing is a much greater density of what you want to see in a city, which is uh, people commuting by bike and commuting by foot. And as the driver density re-increases on the street to where it is, those people who decided to take up riding uh, as a result of the pandemic are now being put at real risk. And unfortunately, Sarah was just one of them. Um, the final thing that, that I really took away from it was the bike infrastructure in a lot of cities often is in uh, rich and white neighborhoods. And uh, if you happen to live in a poor neighborhood or in a neighborhood that is uh, majority minority, um, you are disproportionately underinvested in terms of the bike infrastructure, even if a bike is your lifeline to get to work and to uh, make an income. And, you know, there, there is an element of uh, disenfranchisement and racial justice here that needs to be addressed as well, um, because there are, there are lots of black and Latino and Hispanic cyclists and, um, you know, the fact that their neighborhoods are the last neighborhoods to get bike lanes or protected bike lanes or traffic calming um, really is something that that stood out to me uh, uh, after Sarah's death. Yeah, that's what she was. Uh, her whole life was dedicated to was pointing out this kind of thing. But yep. But it, it, in a different area, not not in, of course, biking or transportation. But That's the thing. She was she was not a hardcore cyclist or a hardcore uh, transportation advocate, uh, but she was someone who uh, lived the last nine months of her life uh, relying on a bike and uh, not just relying on a bike for herself, but using her bike to help and protect other people. And and to me, you know, uh, it's really hard to have her have been killed at a moment where she really had found some some joy in 2020, and this is a hard year for people to find joy and purpose in. Uh, at least it, it is for me. It, it, I think it is for others as well, um, as we feel so cut off from others due to the pandemic. But the fact that uh, the the same thing that was a source of joy for her, and as I know, is a source of joy for so many others, being able to ride, um, also ended up being the thing that put her at risk and ultimately uh, got her killed because the city hadn't done enough to uh, protect cyclists is, is, is to me, 
you know, it, it's both great that she w had found something that she really loved in a difficult year, um, and it's it's really hard that uh, that uh, that uh, in some way led to her death because those protections weren't in place. Yeah, it's the way you're saying it. It's almost like she was. It's almost like the city's liable, like because they they invited, they'd made a an explicit invitation in a way to into something that wasn't safe, not safe as it, you know there's some there's probably some low-hanging fruit in the city that they could uh put in place some bike infrastructure anything are they gonna i i don't know i i've talked to a couple of members of the new york city council and uh you know what what i don't you know it starts with sort of the intersection where sarah was killed but i also don't <laughs> like the approach of just saying oh, a cyclist died here, so we need to fix this one intersection, right? As if that's the way, that's the problem and that's therefore the solution. Um, because, you know, the way this ultimately happens is someone in a city planning office who has a vision zero obligation is looking at every street and every intersection and they're deciding across all of them, well, these aren't the ones I wanna prioritize right now. These aren't, you know, this is too expensive. Uh, this will slow down the commuters too much. This isn't where I want to put my resources. And uh, as long as someone is making that decision about any street, um, you're not at vision zero. And every number above vision zero that you are is a uh, a dead loved one, a dead father, a dead mother, a dead sibling, a dead child. Um, and you know that should be unacceptable. And it's not just a single intersection or a single street it's a way of thinking about every street in a city and if you really mean that cyclists and pedestrians are going to be kept safe you need to make that decision across all of those streets and all of those uh uh areas where a pedestrian or cyclist is using the street yeah that's a good way of saying it that's a good thought and so i'd like to open it to the rest of the people in the zoom to don and jennifer and jacob if you have any questions for john I have a quick question. I'm sorry I came late. Um, you said it was at an intersection and they, she was, the riding a bicycle was promoted um, and that's why she was riding on that street? So she was riding on that street because it was the street on her way uh, back to her, uh, her apartment after uh, meeting with some friends in the park. Um, the, the reason I say sort of it was promoted is uh, the New York City government, uh, Mayor de Blasio, when the pandemic happened, said, don't use public transportation, right? Oh. One of the things we need to do to protect ourselves from the virus is not use public transportation. People should be riding bikes or walking to work. And uh, Sarah started riding her bike because of the pandemic, right? She wanted to see the city and she wanted to follow those uh those directions from the government to keep herself safe from uh, the virus and to keep others safe from the virus. That's how she got into cycling. Um, and, you know, from my perspective, no one should be faced with the choice of keep yourself safe from a virus by making yourself at risk by riding on a dangerous street. I'm looking at the uh, scene, the uh, intersection where it happened. Oh, where is it? Um, and, and hold on, hold on. I'm looking at the intersection where it happened on Google and what I'm seeing is like, it looks like it's designed like a freeway, the actual residential portion of the street. There's like yeah. barricades and the, the uh, you know, Caltrans does the same kind of treatment here in California where all around freeway entrances, bike infrastructure just disappears and they have this really brutal, like it's like they're trying to continue the freeway for as long as possible at the exits and the entrances into the neighborhood. So I wouldn't doubt for a second that the bus was just speeding on this freeway. And then you can see there's like a red light up ahead and they're speeding at 60 miles an hour. They're going to go for it. You know, it seems so obvious. Is there any kind of like, is there anything going on in the avenues where you can get justice here and get them to change the infrastructure? So, um, uh, you know, we're, we're thinking about that and exploring what our options are. Um, you know, to be honest, like, it doesn't feel like it's the kind of thing where a bereaved family should have to sue and use the court system to fix something that's obviously broken, right? I would hope that well, any responsible person working in the city and working in city planning would say, hey, like, we have 
we have a mission here and the mission is to keep pedestrians and cyclists safe. We've committed ourselves to it. We don't need to get sued to get off our asses and do what we're, what we've already agreed to do. We just need to go out and do it. The, the, the problem is, is like, there's such a cultural bias in society that um, it's like this hive mind where people just sort of blank out on, on traffic violence and just sort of accept it. And, it, it's like, you know, ADA didn't come around until a lawsuit happens. Like there's got to be some kind of national effort that could be put together to sue, right? Couldn't, isn't there something like to sue on a policy level that this has to be changed, like you're saying? Yeah. And, and like, to be honest, I mean, part of it is, part of it is cultural and, and to give every, to give, uh, drivers there do, right? I walk, I ride, I drive, I do all of them. The, the car has represented freedom for Americans for a really long time, right? Like there's this concept that your car is your ticket to freedom in the open road. Um, and that's a hard thing to sort of shift in that mindset. And I think the, the key shift is your freedom to drive is not your freedom to harm others, right? Those are two very different ideas. And um, someone who is riding their bike has their own freedom and their own right to, uh, to their space on the street, which, you know, as you guys know, is much less space than a car takes up. It's a much better use of, uh, uh, of the space. And in a city like New York, you know, on ev any given street, on any given moment, there are probably five or 10 people on a bike or walking for every person that there is in a car. And so, you know, to borrow a little bit from some of the, of the uh, Black Lives Matter uh, and protest work that my sister was doing, like one of the chances whose streets are streets, right? And just by the sheer numbers, the streets are owned by the pedestrians and owned by the cyclists, but, uh, Culturally, we don't really think of it that way. And I think it, it's really important to sort of make that mental leap from, yes, cars equal freedom, but walking and riding is also its own form of freedom. And your freedom doesn't extend to the ability to harm others as, as part of what that freedom entails. Yeah, we, Vision Zero is pretty much mocked in Los Angeles, and I don't know about other cities. Yeah, we have a Vision Zero. There's just no political spine for it in the mayor's office. The mayor is basically the one who kind of makes things happen for transportation across the city. But then each uh, city council member, there's like 15, they all have their say on what happens. So you can't get like a comprehensive network over here. So it's, uh, I don't know what to do about that. It just feels like the only thing that is going to work is like a lawsuit. You know, maybe that's just me being cynical, but. Well, what does writers for, for have you been following writers for rights, John? They're fantastic. Um, they're actually, they're going down, they're spending the weekends. I don't, I don't, I don't know if your listeners extend all the way out to, uh, to the mid Atlantic, but for those who are writers for rights is now doing uh, in Sarah's memory, some volunteering down in the, uh, Philadelphia area for get out the vote around the election and they're looking for more volunteers. Um, we're also going to be doing um, a ghost bike installation uh, in Brooklyn uh, next weekend. So on Saturday the 10th at the intersection um, where, where Sarah was killed. Um, I actually haven't been to that intersection. This is going to be my first time uh, going there. I think it's going to be, be pretty hard to be in that place, but after the installation, um, we're going to do a ride, a memorial ride through Sarah for Sarah uh, through New York. Um, and part of that ride is going to be going to other places where other people were killed in the last month in New York uh, who didn't get the attention that Sarah got uh, on social media. Um, and, you know, the reality is, um, you know, I love my sister. She was she was loved by uh, a lot of people. Um, but uh, the fact that she got a lot of attention on social media doesn't mean that the other people who were killed uh, before her weren't also loved by their friends and family. And, you know, their lives uh, are, are important and unique and special as well. And they deserve some recognition and they deserve as much attention from the city uh, in their neighborhoods, improving their infrastructure as, as Sarah does in, in her neighborhood and in her infrastructure. And I think she would want to make sure that um, that her own 
death didn't get singled out uh, among the, uh, you know, scores of other people who are going to be hurt uh, or killed this year in New York uh, because of, uh, you know, reckless drivers and bad street design and a failure to commit to uh, to actually making the roads safer by the government. Has the she was a, a public defender, right? Has the yeah. uh, no a, a prosecutor? Sorry, she was a, she prosecutor. was a, she was in the prosecutor's office. Yeah, working for the city, though, right or yes. the county? Yep. Yeah. Um, have you know have her coworkers, her her uh, fellow um, attorneys, you know, maybe there's some way they can put together like some kind of an action within the city, right? Like put pressure on the mayor somehow? Is there, is there a prosecutor's union that maybe could get involved and put some effort into lobbying the government to do something? Uh, maybe. That's a really good idea. Uh, I may, may follow up with them on that and see if there's an opportunity there. Somehow it seems like they would have some legal resources or something, you know. <laughs> uh, but, well, very sorry to hear about this, man. Um, my heart goes out to you, brother. Uh, thank you. And, and thank you guys for having me on today. You know, I, I uh, as you can probably tell, I, I really like talking about Sarah. Um, loved her, still love her. You know, she's my little sister uh, and always will be. And um, uh, it's it's great to be able to share a little bit of her life with uh, with other people. Um, I wish she had more of it, but uh, I will share uh, whatever of it I can uh, with other people just so they uh, know her story and uh, if they can take something from it, uh, that's that's sort of the the best I can hope for. All right, thank thank you, thank you, John, and we'll we'll follow up on the ride and and when it happens, and we'll talk to some people hopefully there. Excellent. Um, Thanks a lot, guys. All right. Take care. Have a good night. Take, Take care. care. So do we still have Jacob and Jennifer for a minute? Hey, why don't you introduce uh, Jacob and Jennifer? Um, Jacob and Jennifer, are you there? I see. I see both there. Yes, we are here. I invited, the, yeah. I invited them because uh, we're all in the street librarians together. Street librarians, right? Which is, uh, yeah, I got you. Was the last Sunday of every month we go around and put bo uh, book, yeah. books in little free library boxes with Rick Reisenberg too. Yeah, yeah. Was he, he Peterson ever part of that? Who? In yeah. Ingrid Peterson. Oh uh, yeah, at the beginning before it became the Street Librarians, when I was just doing the like the I forget what it's called the book ride or something before I, we came up with this concept. She she was because she actually is a librarian or she was right. She did the. Librarian on Wheels, yeah. or, or was it the Feminist Librarian on Wheels, or was that just Don Finn? She was working at a public library. She's like, hmm. the, she had like a doctorate in it or something. Well, Jacob's wa partner, wife, is like maybe not currently a librarian. Johanna, Jacob, <laughs> is she still? Oh, no, she hasn't worked for the library for years, but that is how we met. You know, was, she scanned my books and, you know, checked out my books, and then I checked out her and... <laughs> You know, now we're married. So yeah, that's that's a great that's a great uh, yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, and we have a good time on the street librarians, right? How are you? But we haven't been able to do it. You know, for, we could, you know, we could, because um, we're safe if we're on a bike. Stories you could do it. You guys could do it by Zoom and drop off PDFs at people's computers. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Now that's right. You know, the library is um, uh, putting books away for three days, and, they, and then I've I've been ordering books from the public library, and I have to wait for three days for them to be um, what's that word? Oh my God, Con decontaminated from yeah. something, maybe virus. You know, I think it would be yeah. <laughs> something because I mean. They're getting them from the library, but, you know, I guess coronavirus could have been, I don't know. I mean, they just, that's what they do. Three day right. uh, decontamination. Because they, uh, they can spread it. They can spread other things. Books? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, they're coming, well, if people were using them, I think you're right. But if they're just coming out of the library shelf, I don't know. Right. That's true. They've been in the library just on a shelf for the last six months since the library is closed. Anything, <laughs> any virus was on there, any COVID-19 would be would totally deteriorated by now. Uh, <laughs> unless it picks up new ones from the people working for the library who are yeah. handling the books. I That's... just thought of that when I said it. Yep. Because they're coming in and so, out. Yeah. So Jacob is our science advisor too. For uh -oh. So he was going to weigh in on. We're in trouble. Remember, remember we were talking about pavement asphalt giving off pollution? What? Jennifer, you and, J and Don and I. Oh, were yeah, 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 yeah. What, what, yeah, what? The last time we were talking, my, my hyperdrive. Thought, were we talking about hyperdrive? We were talking about hypermiling, but specifically, we were talking about. Um, I had brought up the thought that asphalt itself oh, is, right. polluting, is polluting, mm -hmm. right? And and I was curious. Yes. I was curious about how uh, how much pollution actually evaporates off of our asphalt and into the air, mm -hmm. right? And Jacob, we don't. Oh, what's Jacob's you. last name? We oh, my last name is Bear, just like he was, the animal. He's the one Jacob, I mentioned. Yeah. yeah. That's a great name. Uh, you apparently have mm -hmm. the answer or something. Wow. No, I don't know how much that would be. That's not, I couldn't quantify it. But, I mean, there, there's, there's two sides to this. On the one hand, yes, um, asphalt gases off, and, but the amount decreases exponentially. You resurface a road, and, of course, while they're working on it, there's that horrible tar smell. You know that there's a lot of you know, a lot of junk being released into the atmosphere. And then once you lay the road, you know, a day later, if you ride your bike or walk on that road, you're going to smell it, right? And it's yeah. already the amount that's being, that's gassing off is decreasing exponentially, but it never goes away 100%. There's always, there are always trace amounts being huh. released. And because it's approaching so, just dried gravel. Yeah, I mean, basically so. it's, it's, um, it's gravel in a, kind of a goopy hydrocarbon soup. And, you know, just as if you left a can of gas sitting, gasoline sitting out with in an open container, it's going to evaporate into the air. And so the, essentially it's hydrocarbon that's much thicker and cruder than gasoline, but it's, it's releasing some things in the atmosphere. And uh, that would be an interesting thing to quantify. Like if you somehow did a study, maybe measured, you know, a hundred different road samples given different conditions or, you know, temperature, whatever. And then somehow found out the total square footage of pavement throughout an area throughout the world or throughout, you know, a state or throughout the country. And then, you know, somehow extrapolated and get, made an estimate of how much was being released. That would be an interesting study. Um, I don't think we're going to do a toxic pavement cleanup anytime in the near future. I think like, if you're thinking about that, the energy is much, would be much more effective pointing that energy towards creating safer infrastructure for cyclists, you know, better, better, more efficient public transportation. That would be the way to go. Um, better, more fuel efficient yeah. cars and well, hybrids mean, and electric did, cars. But um, it's, it's, there's definitely, the presence of asphalt by itself. And there's not just pollution, asphalt creates other problems, environmental problems as well, just by being there. So it, it'd be interesting well, to just, sorry, go ahead, Nick. Yeah, well, you, so it, yeah. So it's, it's the off-gassing, it's the, the gas. Right. It's releasing gas. And that's probably not the worst thing about asphalt, but it's- What's the worst thing about asphalt? Heat. Heat's oh. a bad thing. Mm -hmm. There's, there's, if you think about, you know, massive areas of paved areas, there's, you know, changes the albedo effect. Um, that's areas where you don't have permeable soil so that water runoff increases and that leads to erosion. It leads to more pollutants getting into our water supply, whether that's drinking water or the rivers and oceans and natural bodies of water. There are a lot of other effects. Um, every place that there's a, there's pavement, you create a barrier. And so wildlife that needs to pass over that, you know, it's always a risk. So it limits the range of different, that different animals can travel upon in order to hunt or mate or find water or shelter or anything else they need. So there are a lot of issues with it. Definitely, like I've, I've been involved in a long time ago, protests against 
building new roads through wilderness areas because of, you know, the other reasons I mentioned. Um, and then at that point, most of these are not paved roads and were never meant to be, but asphalt roads do have their issues, their problems. So we're going to have to get rid of our roads, basically, in order to solve that problem. Well, I think someday maybe we have a perfect world where people can, you know, in some renewable net, you know, zero carbon footprint energy efficient hovercraft that don't actually have to compact the soil or, you know, that can travel safely. That, I mean, that's, that would be the dream, but that's far away. I mean, for now we need roads, unfortunately. That's pretty much how transit transportation happens. We have maglev now. We can go back to that's dirt true. roads. Yeah. Okay. And say we got maglev, we can eventually get rid of the roads. And that's, I'm saying that's the dream. Yeah. It's not going to happen yeah. this year. But week. then we wouldn't have bicycles. Yeah. Well, we can have, have mountain bikes. We can bikes. have one of those, what are they called, anti-gravity wheels or something. Okay, maglev bikes. They just hover yeah. an inch above the ground. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> no no tires to blow out, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't have to. Someday. I spent $120 to get my bike fixed because it blew out the valve and, and, you know, I had to get a new uh, wheel because, not a wheel, what? the tire because it was bald. Then the, then the mm -hmm. valve broke inside the tube, and then they didn't have a liner, mm -hmm. so I had to buy a liner. And then they told me I better buy another tube for the front because you got to balance the tubes. <laughs> so I, I spent 120 mm -hmm. plus I bought some nice gloves. So that, that, that was part of the 120 But mm -hmm. still, you know, n none of that. I wouldn't have to do any of it. That's 120 bucks into the bike economy, though. The, yeah, that's, that's true. true. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'll give it that. That <laughs> make you feel better about it. <laughs> yeah. So this, um, the person who was here, was his name Mr. Pitt as well? I didn't get his first name. John, yeah, John Pitt. John Pitt. So I'm looking at the map that they were talking about, and it looks like there's only one exit off of that bridge. That's what I can, I can see an arrow, or I can't even see it on, on Wythe Street. I can't even see that they're exiting i'm not sure about this map i've actually i've actually ridden this exact intersection actually oh wow mm -hmm. so it is an intersection it's flat in other words it's flat right it looks like there's an entrance and an exit and they merge with the regular residential street yeah at high speed wow the arrows oh okay i see another arrow he may have, she was crossing it looks like she was crossing on wide street yeah. I guess the bus was exiting, right? Wow. Yeah, it is really confusing. So, guarantee you, no, they stuff cars into the neighborhood right there, right off the freeway. You're coming off the freeway at like 70 miles an hour, this bus barreling, and then there's this little tiny light. Like, I'll bet you that bus ran that that light. You know, there must be video. And even if not, it's it's still a crime to send buses into a neighborhood like this, especially in New York where it's like par for the course to cross against the light. Like they should be oh. totally, yeah. totally restricting that, those kinds of uh, merges. It's crazy. Caltrans does the same thing. They well, merge looks, a freeway with a fucking. It looks like Wyeth Street runs under that bridge, the Williamsburg. The exits, there's, there's an exit that comes off the, the freeway to Wyeth Street. Fifth Street, okay. Wide Street. I see Wide Street, and then and then it runs across Fifth and Sixth Street. Oh, you're over in a different area. This is two seventy eight. The two seventy eight. Really, this is the Williamsburg. Yeah, yeah. You're Bridge. in. You're in a different. You're. It's not the Williamsburg Bridge. It's the Brooklyn Queens Expressway. Oh, because it's he's. Yeah. Okay. But I gotta I, say, I, I am I, impressed I, with. How fast I read it you guys on online, on. and it was the Williamsburg Bridge online. This is, I looked her name up, and she was killed at, she was riding her bike in Brooklyn near early Monday at the intersection of Williamsburg Street and Wyeth Street. So there's another street. It's not a bridge. Williamsburg Street is the street that runs parallel with the 278 freeway. Wow. So okay. people exit the freeway at freeway speeds onto Williamsburg gotcha. and there's little lights there. There's a little tiny light on Bedford. I know Bedford very well, actually. Okay. And it's very dense. There's a lot of like people walking and they cut this freeway through there 
I see. And they didn't do anything. Uh, you know, this is what they do. Like over time, they they um, widen the freeway exits, and because there's a bunch of federal freeway money, and they make it faster and faster, penetrating into the neighborhood because they want to get cars off the freeway quicker because because they're worried about traffic on the freeway. So they're trying yeah. to exit. Well, you know, you, possible. Right, and on the Riverside Bridge, you know that they have that roundabout. And you can you exit off of that the uh -huh. riverside. It's pre, it's not a free. It's not really the freeway, but it's. They you know that's a, interesting. They could put yeah. a roundabout here. And then they have they have flashing lights at all the intersections so that pedestrians can go across. I mean that wouldn't it, help in this situation. This situation, this bus driver was barreling through. Yeah, but if he had a roundabout, he would have to slow down. Right, know? right. They don't want to do that because that backs up traffic. Is there any effort in, in LA or in New York where this happened to, um, to train bus drivers to be more conscientious yeah. of bikers and things? Yeah, like because I think drivers, there's, there's kind of this idea, I'm, I'm, I'm driving a bus. I can, you know, no one's getting in my way. If I hit a car, you know, it's oh, no. going to be on them to prove that it was Here my fault. LA, there's definitely that, yeah, that kind of they, culture. There's definitely that kind of culture. Mm -hmm. in, in, well, you uh, know what it sounds like? The MTA here in Los Angeles, the bus drivers here in Los Angeles are also jackasses for the most part. They speed it up to red lights. They, they run lights. They launch out in front of a red light to catch the green and get out into the intersection. The MTA drivers here are total jackasses like that. Well, that's like, not the official, that's not the yeah, official the question position. Is, is there, yeah, is there it's some not, effort not, or something to train done. drivers to be, bus drivers to be more conscientious and more well, aware the of had they should but they've got, them all, they've got them all motivated by speed like mm -hmm. yeah there's training but the training is not it's obviously not enough and right. yeah they they you know when you're just a regular driver this is how most people drive here is like jerks they, they speed up to red lights they they rush around it like mm -hmm. and if you get in a bus what's the difference? You know, you still have your normal habit and the rest of traffic has that normal habit. So you start driving mm -hmm. like that as a bus driver, even though the policy is to be safe. So somehow maybe that needs to be brought up at the next Metro meeting is that these bus drivers need to be extra oh. trained. Mm -hmm. Which I think you could actually get them into doing hypermiling to save fuel and cost. <laughs> of oh yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's, look, I'm always looking for ways to lobby some group, and you got to give them something. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, save money, save. Um, yeah. There should be a hypermiling training course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Bus drivers don't do that here. They don't. They lurch from red light to red light. Sorry to go off. Hey, Tom, I, I got a career I'd move for you. <laughs> you could be. You could be the trainer of bus drivers, yeah. like for, oh, for how to interact with, with cyclists. I would whoop them all into shape, all of them. All of them. I, did, I did have meetings with bus drivers when I worked at Metro, and they some of them ride bikes. So I got okay. allies. You there know? you go. Some Metro drivers are actually great, and I actually yeah. thank them. I thank them when they do that. Yeah. I had a bus driver that passed me. You know, and we were leapfrogging on yeah. sunset, and he passed me, gave me a full lane. Yeah. Went wow. easy, waited for me to pass him so that he could get to the bus stop. And I pulled up to him, and I was like, wow, thank you, man. He's like, my son rides bikes. I was like, oh. Oh, nice. Right on. Yeah. And now I, I think more people are going to be people riding bikes. So, you know, I think we need to – you should go in there, Don. You could easily do this, and you have a good personality. You're big. So you know what? <laughs> you can intimidate them. All the yeah. drivers are very strong and tough, even the women. I know. I know. So you they could go in there and you could just be tough, and you just say, "Hey, I'm a rider, and I got I got all these people that are riding." And I mean, I went in there with the gray hair and the and the older late girl lady, you know, and they were like, "Whoa, you ride a bike?" And I I was inspirational, you know, because they're like. But you had access to them. How did you get? How did this happen? You you were working at Metro. I worked so. at Metro, and I was a bike person there. That I could talk to anybody about bikes, and they loved it. And you okay, know. who can we meet at Metro to talk about hyper? Pony Jusay. I'll go with you. Really? All right, yeah. we'll do a hyper miling program. And, and, uh, program. This is oh that one. Oh wow! I don't know. You better money. you better write it up. Write it up. 
Jesus, I don't want to write it up. I you have suck. to write it up and give uh, some images. You gotta have. You've got to have a slideshow. Uh, I could do. That. You gotta uh, have uh, some graphics. Guess, You're a graphic designer. Like, someone, someone, okay. paid, someone in Metro okay. paid me to do that. That's what I'm saying. I've, you know what? I've, I've someone hired me. I've tried. I've tried to get Don a job at Metro before, and <laughs> oh my god, it, it, we're gonna keep trying until it works. <laughs> we have, we have on the line. We have a new a new guest on the line. Jacob, are you staying with us or? Jennifer? I gotta go too. I'm, I, I gotta go outside. So I'll stick okay. around. My battery's pretty low, cool. so I might get okay. Bye, knocked off, But I'll try. Bye, Bye Jennifer. Bye. Bye. Thanks I'll for coming. I'll stick around for a bit though, um, if I can. <laughs> we we have uh, Beth Allen on the line. Hi, Beth. Hey, I'm down here on the boardwalk, and um, I really would like to see this boardwalk filled up for Halloween. You all with bike bikes at night. I think Ooh, it's a really wow. great idea. Um, it's a socially distant, I mean, it would be so cool to have like a, like a cyclovia kind of thing from pier to pier and just, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I ride a lot at night, but. Challenge accepted. Accept it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'd be a lot, I mean, it's six Is it miles safe? round trip. Is it safe? I guess we all got to wear masks. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I would suggest, yes. Um, Isn't that you know, insane? I'm not going to tell pe people, adults, it's really challenging to tell people what to do, but I would suggest, yes. We were just reminded about how vulnerable people are <laughs> to COVID. Yes, yes. Right? Like, wow. <laughs> yes. We are the most embarrassing. Okay, anyway. I'm not going to get into that, but okay, so we're going to wear- On Halloween, we'll all wear masks because it's Halloween. Right. Exactly. It's perfect. Get the, the rave ones, you know, you haven't seen the rave ones that light up. Oh, nice. That cool. I love it. Okay. But yeah, no, it's a, there's a lot of us that come out here and, you know, I is just think- Is it the Electric Light Parade or what is what is the name of the group? Well, I, this, I'm not a group. I have the, the Venice bike. My bike lights up with the Venice sign. Okay. That's who I am. Okay. Um, but, so you're kind yeah, of famous? Who's famous? I mean, you said that's why. My bike I am. is famous. My bike Jacob, where is famous. Where oh. But where yeah, no, but come down. Yeah. Okay, so somehow we got to promote this. Yeah, so I need help. Okay, this is the deal because I don't really, you know, yeah. We have I a flyer? Like, I'm making a flyer. Yes, I'm working on that, just so you know. I, yeah. I have somebody, yes. And so, and I'd like to have it done this weekend that would be my idea because i do think a couple weeks heads out is really important and then my idea is other than spreading the word to local bike groups is to take little like flyers because i'm down here at the beach i can put it on every single person's bike every bike i see i can put a flyer on but there is that also no that's that makes sense but there's also that uh ride what is it called it's not the it's called velp then it's electric light parade on sunday oh, it is. there it is yeah Okay, what about those guys? Are they are they are you gonna get them involved? Are you gonna invite them? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, there any of them are welcome. I ride with a lot of. I ride on the parade. Oh, that would be so cool to see all their bikes out there. Yeah, a lot of but my bike. I ride with a lot of the lift bikes. We're down here a lot. Cool. What I'd like I've to see down is there for a lot of other people come down here, and Saturday. Uh, it's a Saturday night. It's a full moon. You know, oh, wow. on the ocean, it's like it's like ideal, and it's really kind of the wild west down here. I don't know if you know, but it could be a party out here. Could I've be a heard, lot of fun. I've heard that the West Side has bike parties. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Have you been joining in a few of them? <laughs> well, we there used to be a rivalry between the West Side and the East Side on who had the bigger rides. There was like Midnight Riders, and then there was uh -huh. Crank. Crank uh -huh. Mob, I think Crank Mob won because they were huge and they had bands in the parking lot of like uh, Costco. There was like bands, jousting, all kinds of stuff. So they, well, they probably I was going to ask um, some connections about seeing about like a pop up music, you know, because between the three miles, there are several spots that could be kind of fun. Oh, cool. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Will you help promote it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. okay. Well, I'm going to go back to, uh, you can't see. Can you see that? Oh, oh, oh yeah. there we go. Sunset. Beautiful. 
that's why I come down here. It kind of reminds yeah. me of my election day plans, okay. which is <laughs> to vote in the morning and then get the hell out of town. Who are you talking to? That's a friend oh. of mine. <laughs> okay. Oh, that was the timing. The timing was really right. There. The election day, yeah. All right, Unreal. so I guess that was my cue. Thank you for okay. hearing me out, guys. Nick, I'll send you a message, okay? All right. You were what? Wait a minute. Yeah, cool. You, wait a minute. Who are you? You're Don? I'm Nick. Yeah, that's Don. Don? Uh, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Don. And who are you? Um, I'm a bike guy. You're, oh. you're a bike guy? Yeah, or are you talking to Nick? Nick, Nick is a... Uh, also a bike guy. Okay. Well, nice to meet Nick and Don. Don and All Nick. Right. I come down. Look, and if you see me, you know what my bike looks like, right? No, let's see it. Hold on, hold on. I don't have my light on, so. We need the light. Hold on. What? No, because I have to put a battery, a fresh, some fresh batteries in, but hold on. You'll know what it is. Don't worry. <laughs> what is that? I can't even see that. I can see it. Can you see it? Yeah, it lights up. It's just I need to put fresh batteries, and I I don't That's I'll be great. looking all set and see it'll look sad. That is hilarious. Nice work. Hilarious. Nice work. Yeah. I love it. All right, we'll yeah. see you on your ride. All right, thank you guys. Thanks, Beth. Bye. Bye bye. Okay. Wow. So we're. Uh, That's crazy. This is a very. Uh, this is like a variety show here. We have so many. We got science. We got uh, justice. Go? Oh, Jacob left and came back. Where was he from again? He came from? Back. I don't know where Jacob is from. Jacob is from like like Santa Cruz or someplace. Oh, okay, cool, cool. Yeah, um, I just was reminded that uh, <laughs> the guy that's occupying the house. <laughs> has Rona. It's so funny. You don't want to say either of those things. 2020 has turned into the most incredible shit show of all time. Yeah, that's that's the consensus. I think this New Year's is going to be a real party. I don't know. I if, don't think so. If, I think we're going to have all yeah, this great shit. They're not going to have sorted out the election by then, guaranteed. Okay. Well, um, Jacob, are you there? Yeah, sorry, I got like bumped off. But um, you think by New Year's they won't have it sorted out? Mm, I mean, that's, that's almost two months after the fact. I'm more worried about they're going to, Trump's going to, oh, I said the T word, I'm sorry, that he's going to declare it false or a hoax or whatever, and there's going to be, you know, oh, rioting sure. and curfews and military control and all kinds of, like weird shit going on and who knows yeah. oh my god it's gonna be insane. well i there's a lot of theories i mean i don't want i could be alarmist i could tell you the most alarmist thing that i saw what's mm -hmm. that tell us uh, let's see how crazy well, she that uh somebody who studies uh white or extremist groups said that you know him saying stand by the proud boys was actually yeah. like a green light that, 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 oh, that then we're gonna, have, we're gonna have we're gonna have uh, what they what she called mass casualties uh, targets mass mass mm -hmm. casualty targets. Who are they gonna target? Like you know, places where people are gathered. What, but really, they're not gathering, so you can't have it. But like, I guess shopping centers. I don't know. What are they gonna do? I don't know. What like are they? People and shit. Like like the the like bombs the bombs yeah oh really machine guns I don't, I don't know I don't know maybe you never know there's fucking crazy people right well what's the most extreme what's the most extreme thing that you've heard the most extreme idea that I've heard is kind of what uh, Jacob was describing uh, where it's just gonna be like the orange guy's side versus the blue side arguing about who won. Mm -hmm. Civil unrest and everything goes with it. Yeah, there might be civil unrest. That's so crazy. They're, they're and probably... the, worst, 
the worse it gets, the more excuses there'll be for, you know, more police crackdowns and then it'll get worse. It'll just yeah. kind of like control that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild. It's going to be wild. Yeah. I mean, I almost think, okay, we're totally off the subject of bikes now and everything, but... I mean, I know, Don, for November, stock up on your canned food and your water and all that. Pretend like it's going to be March 13th all over again because, you know, it's going to be, it's going to get weird in November. I'm all about beans and rice. Like, I have a ton of both in reserve. So, um, it's related to bikes in that I think bicycles are going to be the vehicle that gets us through the apocalypse yeah the gasoline production is gonna mm-hmm. you know fall uh somehow from all the chaos they're not going to continue to open the refineries and distribute the gas stations themselves you know if there's how are you going to hire someone for minimum wage to sit in a 7-eleven and sell gas you know for min- when there's chaos getting it mm-hmm. Oh man, what a crazy ass year! Damn, what a fucking crazy year! All right, here we go. Bike talk, KPFK. We're done. Kill it. I rise in the morning and greet the day. Pull out the bike and I'm on my way. The transportation shows I care. Every turn of the pedal cleans the air. Green in the green. I'm saving the planet, just like my friends Dale, Sean, Toby, and Janet. No greenhouse gas, a tiny carbon footprint up your ass. I'm on a motherfucking bike. Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group. 